Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 12th, 2012. As always, for newcomers, make sure you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find lots and lots of audios for free download where I try and bring the, the system to life for you, the system that runs the world, the big plans that they formed well over a hundred years ago, the, the big powerful organizations that got together. They already owned half the world in property because it was international bankers, of course, who started the whole thing off. And they formed a club, and then they formed a bigger club with academia. They became the first intelligence services, too, still are, by the way. And they own all of the media. And their idea was to take over the world and, and basically change it all and run it properly the way that it should be run, rather than the way it was run, where people at the bottom had no right to say anything at all because they weren't intelligent enough. Lots of eugenic stuff involved, of course, and nothing's changed right up this present time. That's why you're in an authoritarian society now. That's what they claimed at the Club of Rome. The democracy was no use, too many conflicting parties. So to get their big agenda through for their big utopia, for themselves, of course, at the top, then they'd have to bring you an authoritarian system. So uh, terrorism is as good an excuse as any, and that's why they're using it, of course. So help yourself to that. Member two, you are the audience who bring me to you because I don't bring on guests who are advertisers and I don't scare you and sell you the antidotes. I also don't uh, have shares in any products that are sold whatsoever. All I have are the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, which hopefully will help me just creep by because that's, after all, that's all you can really try and do these days is creep by. So if you want to buy them, you can order them from the States to Canada using personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can use PayPal and you can send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, too, that uh, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome. And getting back to this big system you're born into, that's what most folk have a hard time with because the news is meant to make you think day by day that there's a new crisis that's unforeseen and that politicians are all busy, you know, moving their jaws. It's the only thing they do move is their jaws or else, you know, the hand going up with a fork to their jaws at times too. That's all they do is move their jaws and, of course, the, the outcomes to all the crises have, have been planned well in advance of the crisis themselves. Most crises are simply manufactured to terrify the public so that you give up more and more and more rights to get you into this scientifically controlled system, this controlled globalist society. And scientific socialism is one term that they use for it because, you see, that you pay and pay and pay for everything at the bottom, and that's the socialist part of it, and the fascists on top of it run it all in a separate bunch of laws to guide them, uh, from you that is. We are well into it today, you've been in it for a long time in fact, and as I say, it's a, the greatest deception trick ever pulled on, never mind a, a people, but the whole planet. 
They're using global warming, climate change, all the usual things to try and get rights so that government agencies can come in and order you about, right down to eventually uh, deciding who can live and who can die uh, to serve the world system. You'll have to have a purpose, you see, in the world system, and that will be it, to serve it, you see a whole new way of living, uh, and eventually they'll get to that through the, the plan for austerity as they bring you down being post-consumerist, as they call it today, into uh, an, auster- an austere society where all your income will go to pay basic things like mortgages or rents. Eventually it'll all be renting because they're going to do away with private housing for most of the middle classes and downwards altogether. But uh, yeah, Energy and rent will take most of your income away about 15 years from now. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and... It's no surprise, you know, when you, you find out about how science is always screwing up things. They really go to incredible lengths to cover their tracks, like most big professions do, like banking and everything else. But when scientists screw up, they really screw up. And, of course, it's astonishing even to the general public as to how they can screw up in such ways. They get so casual in what they're doing. And, of course, when you have big vaccine industries involved in the screw-ups, then uh, anything can happen. Anything at all can happen to the detriment of people or animals, for that matter. Based on an article here that's just been released, it happened in 2008, and it says scientists discovered two different vaccines combined to create a new virus strain. And, well, there's nothing new in that. This is the whole thing that gets me, because, you see, the warfare departments have been at this kind of game for a long, long time, and they use animals, and probably people too, uh, and the, that you become the host or the fast breeder, that's what they call you, when they inject stuff into you, and they start multiplying like crazy. But uh, if they were to give you two different vaccines, the same thing could happen uh, as, as they recombine to form something new. I've got two separate vaccines. It says two different vaccines used to control infectious disease in chickens, because they're all terrified about the flu coming from chickens, have combined to create new virus strains. The herpes virus, so they caused a herpes virus, a new type of herpes, it caused 33 outbreaks of disease and death in farmed chickens on the outskirts of Sydney and Melbourne in 2008. University of Melbourne lecturer Dr. Joanne Devlin said the disease emerged shortly after a new vaccine was introduced. She said researchers were surprised. They are surprised to find the new strain was formed by the recombination of two strains administered in separate vaccines. The two combined to create a new type. Researchers at the Asia-Pacific Center for Animal Health at the University checked the DNA sequence of the new virus against the strains of the virus in the vaccines. And it says, um, she said the new virus strains that killed up to 17% of the birds on the farm were more virulent and never before seen in the field. No, because they created a brand new one. <laughs> Isn't that just wonderful? And the researchers published uh, t- uh, today's, uh, today, uh, ends, it's called Friday Night in the International Journal Science. And the chickens are routinely vaccinated against the disease called infectious laryngeal tracheitis. 
uh, virus, and three vaccines are currently available in Australia. Commenting on the research, Professor Ian Gust says it was a very interesting finding, which is very interesting, that's all, very interesting. But the administration of herpes vaccines to chickens was vastly different to that in humans, I'll add at the moment who knows. He said that while some uh, live attenuated vaccines were used in humans, here's here's the the reassurance you get from science. It would be extremely unusual uh, for a doctor to find to use different strains of the same virus in succession. Really? Really? They're they're so blasé with it today that anything can happen. And they have had tremendous horror shows happen in the past, which they try to really hush up. Because after all, they're scientists, and scientists are perfect, you know. You've all been trained to believe that. They can do no wrong at all. It's astonishing, isn't it? Now, Monsanto, big Monsanto, it was obvious to pretty well everybody who was watching Monsanto at the beginning when they came out with their modified seed and the killer gene in the seed too, so you had to go back to them every year. What a wonderful way to get business, eh? And they also, uh, so in other words, you couldn't save the seed and grow it again. It had a killer gene in it, it just didn't grow. And they also have to use their special chemicals as well. And it says, will Congress let Monsanto write its own rules? Well, they've been letting them write their own rules since they began, that's what I'm saying. Because uh, at the start, uh, whenever seed got onto farmers' lands, because there's trucks going past all the time, certain farmers and stuff's blowing it all over the place, they were fining all the farmers for having the seed, occasional seed here or there, growing amongst their other crops. And there's nothing fair and just about that, even when you can prove that you're not growing the darn stuff. And the judges even said in Canada, I don't care if a bird poops it out on your land, which they can do, uh, you, you are therefore in, in, in holding something that, that has been stolen, in other words. And then they fine you thousands of dollars and hope to bankrupt you. Disgusting, disgusting. Big business is just like, uh, it's like a collection agency. They have their own hard men. The hard men are the guys, the heavy mob, who come in and, and muscle in and frighten all the people. That's how big business really operates. I hope you understand that. And Monsanto has its own massive teams of these heavies that they send around to farmers to terrify them and, and demand that they cough up for having one or two uh, growing uh, Monsanto plants on their land that they didn't plant themselves. And the governments are all on board with them. Why? Because the big corporations like Monsanto fund the politicians, folks. All your politicians, all of them are bribed and get backing from these characters. You can't have a just society when you need millions of dollars to run to get into office. Guess who's going to own them? It's plain and simple, isn't it? But it says, it says here, the agricultural biotech industry, well, let's call it what it really is, the chemical industry, has gone on the offensive as never before with a set of slippery policy riders to the House Farm Bill. It's a new low even for an industry that spent years and tens of millions of lobbying dollars trying to dismantle the basic safeguards that stand between a regulated healthy food supply and the profit margins of the chemical industry, which they expect and pine for. It says, if passed, these riders will undermine the few laws that are currently in place to protect farmers' rights, our health and our environment from the many adverse impacts of genetically engineered crops. So as the Agricultural Committee marks up its drafts bill today in the House, the question is, will Congress let the chemical industry write its own rules? Well, they probably wrote them already. 
It says, deliberately buried in the House Agricultural Committee's uh, voluminous discussion draft on the 2012 Farm Bill, these significant changes to the Plant Protection Act, uh, one of the few statutes that regulate GE crops, will counter the gains that have been made to protect the food supply and the farmers who grow it. The provisions section 10011 and 10013 and up to 10014 will force uh, the rushed commercialization of GE crops create a backdoor approval for Dow's Agent Orange corn and eliminate any meaningful review of the impacts of these novel crops. Science and time have shown that GE crops cause significant harm to agriculture and environments. The overwhelming majority of these novel crops are engineered to be resistant to herbicides, such as Monsanto's Roundup, and have dramatically increased overall herbicide use by £382 million. Pounds. I guess that's I don't know, a year of what. The spike has in turn caused an epidemic scourge of herbicide-resistant superweeds, and they've caused repeated transgenic contamination of non-biotech crop, costing farmers and businesses billions of dollars, as well as permanent contamination of the wild. It won't matter, you see, because this is a must-be. I call it must-be, so it's beside a very high authority above all your governments, you see. You actually have a, a super-government above your governments. And these must-bees, and nothing's going to change it. It's obvious, because they're all on board with it. Every country's politicians seem to be on board with uh, Monsanto and GE crops to make you all dependent on them forever, in other words. And after all, if you want to control the world, everyone has to be totally controlled through food, water, and everything else. You can't grow your own. Now... This article here, too, is an interesting little article. It says that the latest literally sensation here is a thriller about Iran's nuclear program that's laden with espionage, cunning, and political murder, but its authors are not former, former Iranian intelligence operatives or Iranian military fiction writers. The book's called Spies Against Armageddon, Inside Israel's Secret Wars, has set off a buzz amongst government and opposition news media inside Iran for the assertion by its authors, Yossi Melman, who is widely regarded as a leading Israeli military and intelligence journalist and Dan Raviv, a CBS national political correspondent, that five Iranian nuclear scientists killed in the past five years were all assassinated by operatives, most likely of Persian Jewish heritage, employed by Mossad, Israel's intelligence agency. Israel has neither confirmed nor denied it's responsible for the assassinations. Iranian news sources view the book just published in English by Levant Books, a small American publisher, as an Israeli-written work exposing something that Israeli authorities do not want the world to know. Actually, Israel doesn't care what the world knows. They just give you the finger. That's what they always have done, and they always will. Now, fracking is getting to be big, big, big business in the U.S. and elsewhere. And, of course, like all big business... They can take over land regardless of who owns it, for that matter. They passed laws when Bush was in, remember, where they can actually come in and take your land and give you a pittance for it. In fact, the first one to, to use that bill was Bush's own family business. They actually used they were the first ones to use that thing. They took a whole block, I think, in New York over to put in a plaza or something. 
Anyway, it says an entire community in central Pennsylvania is being ordered to find new homes after a fracking operation has forced dozens of low-income earning residents to try to relocate from a local trailer park. Well, it's easy to get them off because nobody likes trailer parks, do they? You know, the lower class types and all that. Oh, God. Nearly three dozen families lived in Jersey Shore, PA's Riverdale Mobile Home Park, earlier this year, but all of that quickly changed. The owners of the 12-acre plot of land sold the property to Aqua America and Penn Virginia Resource Park who plan to soon start hydraulic fracturing, or fracking as it's called, where some trailers still stand today. And it says, now I feel like an absolute refugee. Eric Daniels, 43, tells publicsource.org. He's invested more than $12,000 in a mobile home in Riverdale in only three short years, but the recent land transfer has forced him to flee the community. He tells reporters it would cost about $7,300 to relocate his home to another community, where his monthly rent would be $325 more than what he pays today. So he's cancelled his life insurance and all, he's behind all his payments because he has to suddenly find somehow to get off the land before the big boys come in and start, uh, you know, blowing it up, basically, by hydraulic fracking. So there'll be more and more and more of this, and they'll eventually come into towns as well and take over towns. That, that will definitely come, no doubt about it. Now, everyone remembers, and Canada's awfully good at it. Other countries are good at it too, because we're all hypocrites, aren't we, to do with picking on uh, minorities and, and, and how, how we bleed afterwards and, oh, how terrible it was and tragic that we, we did nasty things to minorities, you see, in the past. But it doesn't stop them doing it again. It depends who the minority is, you see. If, if it's a present uh, targeted minority, then it's okay suddenly again. And we remember the Japanese Canadians during the war, they all lost their homes. They were just forced into camps for the whole of the war. When they came back out, their homes were gone and everything else was gone. And uh, it was just, you know, ta-ta, too bad, and all the rest of it from the government. And then afterwards, they wring their hands. Years later, of course, see how terrible it was that this actually happened. They're all hypocrisy stinks in government at all levels, you know. So who's the latest target? Well, Iranians, who are Canadians, you see. Canadian-Iranians. Uh, they fume, it says, as the Toronto Dominion Bank closes their accounts. No kidding. In Canada, in this day and age. Back with more on the story after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about this incredible thing that's happened to do with Canadian Iranians and how the TD Bank, Toronto Dominion Bank, has just closed their accounts. Just with little explanation, I'll to say it had to comply with federal economic sanctions against Iran. Really? That means it can do it with any group, you know. TD began sending letters to some of his clients in May, informing them it would no longer be offering them banking services so as to abide with changes made last November to the Special Economic Measures uh, Regulations Iran, which prohibit banks from providing financial services that benefit Iran or anyone in Iran. A recent review has identified you as a person, this is what it says to you, TD is restricting, restricted from providing financial services to, from, or for the benefit of under these new regulations, TD wrote on one letter to an affected customer, Sudeik Gassami of Toronto. As a result, we're informing you that TD will no longer continue to support your current accounts and or services. 
The letter informs Gassimi that she should apply to the Department of Foreign Affairs for a special permit to carry out transactions with Iran. Gassemi, a Canadian citizen, told CBC's The Current that she was shocked when she received the letter saying she does not send any money to Iran. She said her father also received a similar letter from the bank with regards to his mortgage and his personal line of credit. They're just cutting you off. Later, she and her father received two separate letters in which they were informed the joint business account they held would be closed. Gassemi said her father received some money from Iran for a down payment for a home in Canada, but that transfer took place before the new round of sanctions were introduced, says Gassemi, who doesn't see any legitimate reason for the letter. We're not involved in any sort of transaction or any sort of activity that may benefit the government of Iran, and we're not people in Iran. We are permanent residents and citizens of Canada, she says. Gassemi said her father goes to Iran about once a year for business and for personal reasons, but does not support the current regime. None of the money from her Canadian accounts goes to her father's farming business in Iran, she said. The reigning Canadian Congress held a fact-finding meeting in Toronto to talk about the issue which drew between 16 and 70 people. Kaveh Sharouz, the vice chair of the Congress, said there were a lot of very, very distressing stories recounted at the meeting. A lot of people uh, said we've been loyal customers of TD from a number of years and we're in compliance with all the laws as far as we know. And yet, unfortunately, with virtually no notice, TD has decided to close our accounts, says Sharouz, a, a lawyer by trade. It's given no explanation as to why this happened. I made some cryptic reference to the sanctions, but any time they've sought some further explanation, they've been stonewalled and treated very, very badly. He couldn't say exactly how many people have been affected. He said at this time it appears TD is the only bank sending out these letters. Well, what you'll have to do is to find out what special interest lobby group has been lobbying TD. It won't be hard to find. It won't be hard to find at all, actually. So, again, we're back to the Japanese uh, Canadians. The same thing happened to them. And then they, they rounded them up eventually and put them in prison camps for the duration of the war, and they came out and all their money was gone, and their houses were gone, and everything else was gone. And here they are at it again, because of a special pressure group, no doubt, uh, on the TD Bank, who've caved into it. Well, it'll come out in the wash eventually, what's going on. I mentioned a while back, too, about uh, Orwell's telescreen by Samsung, who is, has got the built-in cameras and all the rest of it. I'll put another link up tonight that's a bit more explanatory, and you can go through that. There's, uh, there's actually two links to them. This is Samsung's 2012 top-of-the-line plasma and LED HDTVs offer new features never before available within a television, including a built-in internally wired HD camera, twin microphones, face tracking, and speech recognition. While these features give you unprecedented control over an HDTV, the devices themselves, more similar than ever to a personal computer, may allow hackers or even Samsung to hear you and your family and collect extremely personal data. Spies will no longer have to plant bugs in your home. The rise of connected gadgets controlled by apps will mean that people bug their own homes, says CIA Director David Petraeus. The CIA claims it will be able to read these devices via the Internet and perhaps even via radio waves from outside the home. So I'll put this up, this article up, and it's got different links to different articles, all connected with it, of course. So people are helping to bug their own homes. They don't mind, mind you. We've got the most docile population that's ever existed. And they're mind-bombed, mind you, with all the electronic fun that they're having. 
and uh, and they don't mind. It's not a, a small price to pay. They think having no privacy whatsoever, and being good. Good means whatever update the government gives you to be good at, and you just suddenly apply yourself and be good and politically correct, and you'll be left alone. That's how people really think. Yeah, well, that's how it is. Eh? And. With the Liebergate bandwagon, as they're calling it, to do with uh, uh, the, the big cons that were going on uh, with the, the banking fraternities and the setting of the interest rates, uh, it says here that, that 900,000 plus lawsuits are to follow because all the lawyers are jumping on this bandwagon. It's a lot of cash to be made for these. They come out of the woodwork, the lawyers. Just, you don't even know they're there, and suddenly one day they all just pour out the woodwork, you know. So the second Barclays announced its 450 million LIBOR settlement. It was all over. The lawyers smelled not only blood, but what may be the biggest plaintiff feeding frenzy of all time, which is why it was only a matter of time. State attorney generals are jumping into the widening scandal over whether the banks tried to manipulate benchmark international lending rates, a move that could open a new front against the top global banks. Well, they've always done this. They always set their own rates. You know, there's no law that says they couldn't. So it's a bit of a hullabaloo over nothing. There'll be something else to do uh, where it's really going and what's really all about. And we'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and America's been going down the, the hill for years, mainly because its culture was poisoned a long time ago, incredibly poisoned, and even more lethal doses of poison added all the time as, as Hollywood and the rest of them pushed the envelope, culturally and every other way. And people mimic what they see, especially children, and they grow up mimicking what they see, and they become uh, what's been portrayed to them as the ideal moron to be. Same in Canada and elsewhere as well. We've got morons everywhere today. Because the same boys were giving the culture across the world, including Britain. Britain's actually a step ahead sometimes in some areas with its really pretty disgusting stuff they put on television, which they still call entertainment. And it is even funny. But... um, you know, too, when science has taken over, science can have no other um, opponent, you see, or rivals. And science was designed to be elevated up to the, the new priesthood. And experts would advise us on things that the priests used to advise us on, you see, in old days. So uh, things that were once normal become uh, um, illegal, in fact, in some places, as, as the public are turned against the old ways, because they actually think they're freer than they were before. It's quite quite amazing. But that, that's what the moronic indoctrination gives you. It makes you think you're freer when you're, you've never been under so much scrutiny in your whole lives. And it says 60 days in prison and a $12,180 fine for hosting a home Bible study in Arizona. The war on home Bible studies and house churches is heating up again. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, a man who has been sentenced to 60 days in prison has been fined $12,180 for hosting a Bible study in his home. 
Since 2005, you think he was a big gambling thing or something going on, eh? Since 2005, Michael Solomon and his wife have been hosting gatherings of about 15 or 20 people where they share food fellowship and discuss the Bible. <laughs> well, I hope the stuff's organic. I mean, you know, or should be Monsanto food, they might let you off with it. Unfortunately, that kind of thing is against law in Phoenix, Arizona, apparently. At one point, nearly a dozen armed police officers raided their home and... Uh, it says here, and evidence of their crimes was gathered. Ooh, crumbs on the table. Michael Solomon was found guilty of 67 code violations, and now he's going to be ripped away from his family and put in prison for two months. In addition, the assistant city prosecutor is asking the court to revoke his probation and convert it into a two-and-a-half-year jail sentence since he continues to hold worship gatherings on his property despite court orders. This kind of case has the potential to have a huge chilling effect on home gatherings of all kinds all over the United States. See, if it was a swingers club and wife swapping club, you know, it'd be okay in Arizona. But they're definitely against anything to do with any belief system. Well, most belief systems, not all. And, um, and this is how they handle it now. They really hate Christianity that had sort of, it gave you at least a basic principles of morality. And a commonality of principles amongst the people means they can't be defeated. Once they don't have that anymore, uh, then they're, they're being ruled by someone else, another force. And that's the way it goes. Now, Blackwater, as you well know, the big mercenary company, international mercenary company where they hire murderers, mass murderers, and they go around slaughtering for money uh, and for big business. Uh, it says, they're called Academy now, Academy. The Academy accepted to World Economic Forum partnering against corruption initiative. Is, can you believe this? It's all corrupt at the top, you know. So the leading security services company joins global industries combating corruption. Huh. So Academy, a leading security solutions provider serving government and commercial customers worldwide. That's the big bankers. And today announced the company's acceptance into the World Economics Forum's Partnering Against Corruption Initiative. Academy is the first ever security services company to accept to be accepted to PACI. And they have their speech on how it's an honor to stand with such an important and highly effective organization. They fight against global corruption. They buy their armaments from all over the arms dealers across the planet, and they bomb whole villages out of sight and so on. Mercenaries, you see. So I won't bother reading it. It's just a PR handout, really. And uh, this is what the world has come to. And, of course, these are the kind of guys who will have their black-clad characters all over the rubble that used to be your homes uh, in the first world countries in times to come. Also, tonight I'll talk about uh, this article here. It's, it's talking about Britain and banking, but it could be any country, really. It says, back to the 1830s. And it says, unparalleled levels of imprudent lending, corrupt banking practices, soaring inflation and rising unemployment, government bank bailouts, and an economy dependent on increasing levels of debt to sustain growth. Sound familiar? It would have done to Britons uh, in the 1830s. The fact is we've been in a remarkably similar economic crisis before, and the reasons for it could be almost identical. In Britain during the early 19th century, paper money was not as we know it today, all reassuringly bearing the head of the Queen and the stamp of the Bank of England. Back then, the Bank of England had the monopoly on the creation of metal coins, but private banks literally had a license to print money of the paper variety and stick whatever images they liked on it. 
drizzle of the bank's power to print money had disastrous consequences called inflation, as too much money flooded the economy and unsustainable lending as banks lent out more in paper money than they could possibly back up with real reserves. Well, that's always been their way, isn't it? When the bubble finally burst in the 1830s, uh, catalyzed by a similar crisis in America, which, because it was all coordinated, folks, if you go into the, the robber barns, it's interesting you read all, all the, the times they crashed the banks in America too. Three guys, you know, Gould and a couple of other ones. The ensuing lack of confidence in the system led to a run on the banks, which had to be hastily curtailed by the Bank of England, bailing out a prominent northern bank. Uh, how about that one? In 1839, a similar predicament forced the Bank of England into the ignominious position of having to borrow £2 million from France. The problem was ultimately resolved by the Act of Parliament. In 1844, the Bank Charter Act curbed the private bank's ability to create paper money and ultimately phased it out altogether. The power to create money was now solely in the hands of the Bank of England, a situation which today we think of as the norm, so much so in fact that money being created willy-nilly by any private organisation with sufficient or even insufficient funds is pretty much unthinkable. But wait a minute, because unthinkable as it may be, that's exactly what's going on today. The causes of our modern banking crisis may be uncomfortably similar to what happened in the 1830s. Today it's not paper money that the banks have a licence to print, but electronic money. And they go into the fact, it says, the incredible situation happening today is that banks effectively create money out of thin air when they lend it to customers. And that is true. Now, people have been talking about this on Patriot Radio and elsewhere for many, many years. But this is the first time it ends up in a, in a, in a it's kind of more mainstream newspaper. They, they create it out of nothing when they lend it to the customers. This means that the numbers which magically appear in your account when your bank agrees to give you a loan are just that, magical. The idea that the bank has somehow taken this money from some other existing fund or account is unfortunately a myth. The truth is that those numbers have just been typed into a computer. They have literally appeared out of thin air and don't correspond to any real money anywhere. So it goes on about that and... um, and it's quite interesting, but it's, it's old hat to stuff for who, from people who, who know the, how the, the con has always worked. See, in reality, every country could simply write up a, a check or, or a print up a note and pay off their debt to each other, and that's that. But you can't do that. You understand, the whole idea is not to liberate people. All of this kind of techniques, whether it's food or water, being taken over by private companies or money, is to keep you subservient to the big boys at the top. That's why they won't change it. Now, in Germany, there's a bit of an uproar because it says Jews and Muslims unite to condemn German circumcision ruling. No kidding. No kidding in this day and age. eh? Jewish and Muslim groups have issued a joint call for German lawmakers to protect the right to circumcise boys after a court ruling against the right sent shockwaves through their communities. Several Jewish and Islamic organizations said in a statement released Wednesday that they had met with legal and medical experts and European Parliament deputies in Brussels this week to discuss the court's decision. We consider this to be an affront to our basic religious and human rights, the joint appeal said. And it goes into, it's an ancient ritual, it's fundamental to faith and so on. And, uh, and it's... Uh, and they've got all the Jewish, powerful Jewish organizations standing up, so you know it's going to get squashed. But it says, the unusual joint statement was signed by leaders of groups including the Rabbinical Center for Europe, the European Jewish Parliament, the European Jewish Association, Germany's Turkish Islamic Union for Religious Affairs, and the Islamic Center Brussels. But part of the reason, apparently, 
it's happening in the States as well, is this, this fallout of how the rite is performed. And it says, circumcision ritual under fire due to risk of herpes infection. And it says, the ritual mitzitza, bepeh, they call it, involves oral suction of blood from the newly circumcised by the rabbi's mouth. That's what it is. You see, this is an ancient tradition. And so they claim it helps to, to, to stop the flow of blood and all that stuff. And, you know, if you want to believe that, you can. The controversial Jewish circumcision rituals under fire after allegedly causing the deaths of two infants and exposing potentially thousands more to the risk of herpes infections. New York City health officials are pushing a proposed regulation that require parents to sign a consent waiver before they take part in a circumcision called uh, the Medziza Bepe, typically practiced by ultra-Orthodox Jews. The ritual potentially poses a, a fatal risk to newborns, according to New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. The legislation was proposed at a Board of Health meeting last month by Dr. J.K. Varma, Deputy Commissioner for Disease Control for New York City Health Department, after 11 infants contracted neonatal herpes between November 2000 and December 2011 after their circumcision ritual and two of the infants died. I think one rabbi was charged or stopped because he was passing on to a whole bunch of them. And this article, too, is to do with the seed trade, seed food, power, and all the rest of it. A European court has ruled that an existing EU guideline on the marketing of seeds cannot prevent independent farmers from growing and trading in old, officially non-approved seeds. It's a defeat for big agricultural firms. Well, I wouldn't say that, because these guys never give up, as you well know. The European Court of Justice in Turkey ruled that farmers on the continent were allowed to both produce and market seeds, even from plant varieties which were not officially registered and approved. Now, what happened quite a few years back was Monsanto and the big smart boys, well, the lawyers, decided that, well, no one had ever thought about patenting the seeds that they've been using for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And being the greedy sods that they are, they thought, well, if they patented them, then no one else could use them. And they tried to charge people who were using the traditional seeds. Oh, it's saying that, well, we patented it now, you see. No one bored it. We patented it, so now it's ours. Can you imagine the cunning of these swine that, that, that do this kind of stuff? Incredible. Incredible cunning. And they are swine. They are swine for the way that they think and the way they put everybody else out of business because of their utter stinking greed. Anyway, it says... The Luxembourg-based judges found that the production and sale of such seeds could, be, could not be prohibited on the basis of an existing EU guideline on seed registering. French industrial seed producer uh, Grains Beaumont had taken the domestic farmers' network Coco Pelle to court because it considered it as illegal the latter's marketing of 461 seeds which were not officially catalogued. Can you believe that? Not officially catalogued. I mean, farmers for centuries never thought about cataloging anything. That's why we're all alive today. We were fed by them. So Grains Memorial demanded compensation to the tune of 50,000 euros or $61,170, uh, which it now won't get. The court ruling means a serious defeat for huge agricultural industry companies such as Monsanto, Synergia and Bayer, which already control 67% of the global trade in seeds. And you think your politicians are all going to listen to you and they're all on board for the people? Where do you get that ridiculous idea? It says, patents on seeds registered by such big enterprises have seen smaller farms in Europe and elsewhere getting more and more dependent. By using only officially approved seeds from such mega firms, 
Farmers have to use much more fertilizers and pesticides to get decent harvests, meaning they usually spend five times as much on those as on the seeds themselves. So once you're on the big boys, specially made seeds, you get their special chemicals and everything else, and then you've got to go back cap in hand every year you buy more, if they allow it, you see. Also to advertising. Advertising works wonders, and people have been so conned. I've mentioned Bernays and the century of the self, as it was called, by Curtis, who goes through a lot of Bernays techniques in the U.S. Bernays is the guy who gave you the consumer society. He also gave you uh, the, the, the outlines before he died to do with austere society because, you know, so many presidents called him in because he thought that the, the public were all idiots. And he actually did. He had no respect for the public at all because he saw the effects of what they'd wear, what they'd do, their behavior changing, as he helped the big boys and the marketers change the whole culture of America. And that's what you tend to do after a while. You say, well, I have no respect for these people. They do exactly what we want them to do. And um, But they gave you General Motors and all the rest at Ford, and folk thought, and they just put a flag next to it and, you know, built tough in America, and that's all. And you all think it's yours. And people have really got into fights over Ford and GM. They really were diehards and fanatics. They'd, they'd pick a side and that would be theirs for life. But these companies are international corporations. They don't give a damn about you. And they'll use the flag of any country they go into and play the same cons on them. So I'll show one tonight from China and General Motors because that's where it is now and 70% of this company is over there in China now and more to come actually and how they're using the same gimmickry on the Chinese. And it'll work just as well there as it, as it worked in the U.S. and elsewhere, for their motors are always rusted out and had lots of problems. So uh, I'll put that up just to show you how it works. And you can listen to the CEO of General Motors praising China to the hilt and how they're even importing them into the U.S. from China and it's all wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for the international cooperation. They used all the gimmickry, including the flag, to get Americans to buy their vehicles. Mind you, they really, got, they really took off and got really high up there during World War II when they supplied the military. And that's what they're in bed with as well. You know. What can you say? You know, even during the Soviet system too, they had special plants in Russia for Ford and GM. Well documented as well, you know. Yep, but they're so patriotic, aren't they? The Death Pathway is the latest, of course, and Britain's the flagship for it, is to kill the elderly off rather than put out the cash to make them last long and give them some comfort in their last days and last weeks, last months. could even be last years because they're killing them very quickly. And uh, it's, it's all economics, you see. And it, it depends up, upon your status in the community, because Britain has always been awfully class conscious. This is tens of thousands of patients with terminal illnesses are placed in the death pathway to help end their lives every year. To help, isn't that nice? To help end their lives. That's, 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 that's neurolinguistics and psycholinguistics. Sounds positive. To help them, you know. Having a letter to the Daily Telegraph, six doctors warn that hospitals may be using a controversial scheme to reduce strain on hospital resources. They're talking about cash and staff. Supporters of the Liverpool Care Path, which allows medical staff to withhold fluid and drugs in a patient's final days, claims the kindest way of letting them slip away, but the experts say in their letter that natural deaths are often freer of pain and distress. But you see, getting you free of pain and distress costs a bit of bucks, and Britain, need, Britain needs it all for buying missiles to put on rooftops for the Olympics and 
things like that, you know. And giving across the world to the third world countries. And, but, you know, never mind these old people who've paid taxes all their lives long. You know, we're, we're worthless when you, when you're not producing, you're worthless. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Brian from Florida, if you're still on the line. Are you there, Brian? Yes, I am. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a 21-year-old college student, and I've been listening to your show for the past four or five months. And I know how you always suggest to your listeners that they read everything that you put on your site and to go into the histories, the books that the elites put out, to bring themselves up to speed. Uh, the problem that I have, and I think I speak for a lot more people than just myself when I say this, but between all of the mundane schoolwork that I do and maintaining my financial stability and my health and trying to keep a stable relationship with my family, and really just doing all the things that everyone needs to do to survive in this society, um, you know, I, I just find that I find it very hard to properly bring myself up to speed. So I was wondering if maybe you could comment on that and maybe give your own view as to how one can make a balance between doing the things that they need to do to stay informed and try to make long-term changes while still doing the things that they need to do to really just get by. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah absolutely, it's because it's overwhelming. It's every day. It's just, I've always mentioned in, in the past, too, that you only need a few books by the big boys themselves. Everything else is superfluous. It's, you, what you'll see throughout your life is simply uh, the coming true of, of, of the, the, the different uh, agendas that they had planned such a long time ago, and so you're not surprised by them when they do appear in print. So you, you don't have to keep up with, with all the latest stuff. You can go into the founders of the League of Nations and get a hold of their books, and then go into the founders of the United Nations, go through their charter, uh, read the, the people, the books by the people who are present there at that time. There's lots of them out there, and uh, and you'll find they gave you the whole agenda for this scientifically controlled society that which they would bring in over a span of, of 45, 50 years or so, and eventually bring in eugenics. Even the League of Nations at the end of World War I uh, talks about uh, they would give big power to the chemical industries and, and vaccine industries to, to, to vaccinate the, everybody on the whole planet, for instance, and it wouldn't matter if there were so many fatalities. Uh, this was part of the agenda. There's nothing new, really, uh, because we've been living through the same agenda for a 100 years. So don't try and keep up with all of, of the stuff that simply upsets you. And that's all it's meant to do. It'll just upset you, because really, you're powerless to stop it, at least at the present time. Um, as you say, try to get by and try to get, still keep a life and keep your sanity on the go. And the hope has always been that enough people eventually will understand enough of it 
at least the, the, the general gist of it, to to be able to to mount massive protests before it all comes down in the end. I don't know what will come down first, the whole agenda, uh, and we'll have no chance at all, or whether there's enough time even for people to do anything about it, because you're living under a totalitarian system. All you have to know is why it happened, the ones behind it, their ultimate goals with it all, and um, and how you can survive through it yourself, because you must personally survive through it regardless. That's just life itself. Um, and, and don't try to keep up with all of the news that's constantly spun out there from international meetings. There's about 10 international meetings a week. Don't even bother trying to keep up with them. You know what they're all about. That's the best I can tell you. From Hamish Monsieur from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God, go with you.